And we're back with another episode of the MDM Podcast, a highly anticipated episode by both me and Trevor. But first, Trevor, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good because we have, in just a few minutes, the legendary John Fanta, who works for Fox Sports. Uh, he's an Indians beat writer on IndiansBaseballInsider.com. We'll have a great discussion with him later on the Giants and Browns game this weekend. But before we get to him, and if you're only here for the John Fanta interview, I will put a time card in the description if you if you don't want to hear me and Trevor. But why wouldn't you want to hear me and Trevor? Because today, we got to go over this giant game and what's going on with Daniel Jones. We have our NBA preseason predictions. What I mean by standings, I only have one through eight. Trevor has more, but I'm only going to do one through eight. And, of course, and Trevor, I'll ask you, I'll tell you this. Do you have picks? I do have one pick. I can tell you that. Okay, so we'll we'll get some sort of picks. I, I can't believe you're going to tell Trevor that. Let's start with the Giants and what's going to happen this weekend. So the Giants are going to play football again this weekend uh, against the Browns. And the status of Daniel Jones still uncertain, although it's very unlikely. And if Daniel Jones doesn't play, this game against the Browns got much harder. And remember last week, Joe Judge messed this up. He played Daniel Jones when Daniel Jones should not have been played. He couldn't scramble out of the pocket. Uh, he caused him to fumble. He got sacked a bunch of times. It was not a game Daniel Jones should have played. Agree. Everything you said. I mean, you know, fumbles, this, to that. I mean, again, you know, and, you know, a couple of people are saying, well, he gets hit hard. Every hard hit, the ball goes out of the, out of the, uh, out of the hand. Can't just say it was a hard hit. That can't be the excuse every time. But I think I, I think it's pretty obvious he's a fumble problem, Trevor. But if he's hurt, what's up? That needs to be corrected. I think I think it does, but I think we also have time for that. We shouldn't be seeing it right now, but I still think there's time to to see that improvement. But if he's unable to scramble, he shouldn't be playing. And although you don't want to admit it, that was a major reason why he fumbled a couple times last game. When he's unable to move out of the pocket, he's going to be hit hard. And when he's hit hard, the chances of him fumbling are, are, are very high. So if Colt McCoy ends up playing, I want to tell you something, Trevor. Colt McCoy is 1-0 as a starter this year. Yes, he is. But um, uh, he did make some big throws. Um, but but I think I think uh, he'll be facing um, – well, I think first of all, Seattle played, didn't play that great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't think the Giants' offense played that great either. I mean, they did just enough to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if the Giants' offense plays that performance against the Browns, I would. If you told me the Giants had put up seventeen points, I would bet that the Giants would lose that game if they had seventeen points. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, because Baker Mayfield and the Browns' offense are gonna have a field day with this, and they're gonna have a field day because it looks like James Bradbury is not playing either. He's on the uh, the COVID list, and this is a major blow. And whenever there's a big play to be made on defense, James Bradbury is there. He's there to save the day. So without him, you're going to lack, number one, your best player on defense. But all of a sudden, this is a pretty weak secondary and, and also a very young secondary. You're going to see a lot more of Julian Love. You're going to see a lot more of Xavier McKinney. I'm excited to see both of them. But the part of me that wants the Giants to go to the playoffs and win this division not very excited. I need James Bradbury on that field. And it's, it's such a 2020 thing to happen that COVID is going to keep him out of the game. Do you think Jones plays on Sunday? 
Um, probably not. I, I, I really don't think so. Because I think we have, Joe, no we have no official word, right? It's it, they say it's unlikely, but he's only questionable. But yeah. what, but what I'm what I'm saying is, if he was the way he was last week, he shouldn't play. Daniel Jones shouldn't have played last week if he if he's unable to scramble out of the pocket and unable to move. I agree. Now, if if they had Colt McCoy in the game, do you think there would have been any different result? Probably not, because the Cardinals end up scoring like what thirty points? Twenty? I think it was twenty seven points. Yeah, and you know, does Colt McCoy really generate that many more points than Jones? No, he doesn't. Would you? Okay, would you agree that Daniel Jones is better quarterback than Colt McCoy? Yeah, I would tell you that. Yes. Do you think Daniel Jones gives them more of a chance to win? So, yes, yes. So, so there you have it. If it, I'm not saying it's impossible. I think the Browns are a very inconsistent team. Now, what they did on Monday night should scare you, even though they lost the game. That should scare you the way they were able to stay in that in that game with the um the Baltimore defense. And then put up those points against the Ravens defense, who's pretty solid. That's what I'm saying. The the fact that they're able to do that should scare the Giants because the Giants defense is not even like a quarter good as the Ravens defense. Core defense have been pretty good this year, but they are and, nowhere near the Ravens defensive level. And you have to remember this too. And I understand it's still a long shot, but the Browns are still technically playing for division. It's still not quite over yet. Yeah, but it's it, they they don't have a chance to win the division. I agree. Now they are playing for home field advantage in the wild card round. That they mm-hmm. are playing. Well, look, a lots a lots on the line for both teams. I think that's why this game was flexed Sunday night. But it's still very important for the Giants because look around the look around the the NFC East. The Redskins are without Alex Smith now, so they have to go to Dwayne Haskins against Seattle. Now, I don't think Seattle's going to be playing as bad as they were against the Giants. They, last week against the Jets, they look good. But, of course, the Jets, maybe they get something going there. But Dwayne Haskins is no good. That's a game the Redskins could lose. But every other game, it's going to be close. I mean, maybe not the Eagles game because Cardinals are good. We don't know what Jalen Hurts is yet. The Cowboy game, the Cowboys actually might win this game. The Cowboys might actually be back in this division, Trevor. I said last week, you know, that win was a uh, a game saving uh, or a game saving season win. Um, but I think right now, and Washington with Alex Smith out, and Dallas inconsistent, and the Giants having COVID issues, I need the team to. to it's I think the team to beat. The, NFC East is the Eagles right now. No, I don't think the I, I want to see more from Jalen Hurts, but based on what I've seen the Eagles this year, is they do not want to win the division. They don't play like a team that wants to go to the playoffs. Well, I, I would have said well, I would have said Washington was the favorite, but Alex Smith out, you, you don't know. Mm-hmm. I would have said then the Giants, but they have COVID issues. Right. I would have said the Cowboys, but they're the best team on paper, but they've been really inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And then the Eagles or the wild card team, we don't know. Well, it's it. Would you agree? It's all on the the back of Jalen Hurts. Like I it's agree. it's a, it, the the way Jalen Hurts plays is the way this Eagle season is going to play out. I agree, and I don't know who we root for on Sunday because I love both guys. Well, well, let me ask you this: for the four games that we played with NFC East teams, what are the outcomes? So, what Giants, Browns, Cowboys, Niners? Washington, Seattle, and Philly, Arizona. What is the outcome of those four games? I think they all four lose. All four lose. So, so that means the Giants are still in it. Yes, and if you, I thought you were gonna, I thought the next question would be if you asked me, you <laughs> pick one team that had the best chance to win on Sunday. Go for it. You can answer it. I would tell you it would be Philly. Philly against Arizona. 
You're yes. not going to say Dallas against against uh, uh I'm, I'm forgetting the name. San Francisco? San- no, I'm going to say because Dallas, I mean, you know, they look great one week and the next week they look awful. Yeah, but past couple weeks, San Francisco hasn't looked that great. No, I, I just I just think that Philly has the best shot. That's my opinion. Okay, so if all four teams lose, the division stays the way that it is right now. But if some for some reason, Dwayne Haskins in his home building holds off the Seattle Seahawks and the Redskins, or excuse me, the Washington football team ends up winning that game. Season's over. There's nothing to play for. You're not coming back from a, from a two-game deficit. Yeah, and if the Cowboys win, I think because remember the Cowboys still technically have that uh, tie break over the Giants still. Mm-hmm. And uh, good, uh, you know, I I think if the Giants lose on Sunday, dude, uh, could could be all. Dude, I'm having a sneaky suspicion that that um, Eagles half game is going to come back and kill the Giants. If Jalen Hurts proves to be a quarterback that can win games this this season, that yeah, half I, game is going to be really scary. He was impressive in his first one. He was very impressive in college. So, well, well, dude, he was very impressive against the New Orleans Saints, who are the, in my opinion, the best team in the NFC right now. Yeah. Now he's and got a, he's got an easier task against Arizona, but go ahead. But the, yeah, it wasn't like it was you know the Jets or somebody. It was a legitimate NFL team. That was a real team. Oh yeah, definitely. Now, now, it was without Drew Brees, but, you know, that doesn't matter. Offense is still pretty good. Yeah, and look at the Saints getting Drew Brees back this weekend, actually. Yes, I was going to mention a little bit of news. Brees is uh, back this week. All right, so we're going to get to the NBA stuff in a couple minutes. But first, give me what what picks you have right now. And just because you only have one, I'll start. And my first pick... Actually, uh, Joe, in the uh, couple of minutes that you've been talking, I've been... Uh... Going uh, back and forth, I actually did come up with a uh, a second pick. Okay, you're, you're the man. And maybe a th- maybe a third pick. Maybe so. as I'm talking. All right, light, light speed, Trevor. Let's get this going. But I'll start. I will take the Miami Dolphins hosting the New England pa- uh, New England Patriots, and give me the Dolphins minus one and a half. And at this point in the season, in 2020, the Miami Dolphins are two games better than this Pats team, and all around a better team. I'm a big tuba guy, and down in Miami, with fans in attendance, the Miami Dolphins will take care of Bill Belichick's New England Patriots. Give me the Dolphins minus one and a half. All right. I like it. I'm going to go with a Saturday game here. I like the Panthers plus seven and a half in Green Bay. I think this is an underrated Panthers team. I like what Matt Wool. I like what I'm seeing. I'm seeing toughness fighting back. I think Green Bay is overrated. Give me the Panthers plus seven and a half. Now, see, I'm the complete opposite here. I'll take the Packers minus seven and a half. And all year, the Packers have been a great team. And Aaron Rodgers is probably my MVP. But you know this. I've been high in Carolina, too. But the past couple weeks and the majority of the season, they cannot close out games. It's been a real struggle for them. As long as they get, as long as they lose by seven and a half. That's true. Seven and a half is a big number. But I am very confident in Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay offense. So give me them minus seven and a half against Carolina. Do you have a uh, another pick? I have, do have another pick. Let's hear it. Um, we have, I'll go with a uh, 425 game. Chiefs at Saints, the game of the week. Mm-hmm. I like the Chiefs a uh, uh, field goal here. I just think that, you know, they're the best team in the league. 
yes, I understand the Saints are getting back to the Breeze. It's going to be a great game. I just think the Chiefs are a better all-around team. I think they do think the Chiefs get minus three uh, on the road. And over the past couple weeks, you know this more than I do, dude. Kansas City has not covered the points uh, the past couple weeks. And they're always favorited. But they always have problems covering the points. So with this week against the Saints, you're getting the Chiefs in a really low number for the Kansas City Chiefs. Two and a half. That's really low. Is it two and a half or three and a half? It's uh, two and a half. Two and a half is really low. Three. I'm sorry. All right. So three is really low for Kansas City. So you finding them there against a very good New Orleans Saints team, that's a good pick. I will take it a Saturday game, too. Give me the Bills minus five at Denver. And the Bills are on fire. This Saturday, they'll have the, or this Sunday, rather, they'll have the chance to clinch their division for the first time in 25 years if the Dolphins lose to. I don't think the Broncos are that good of a team. I don't know if they have Drew, I don't know if Drew Locke's franchise quarterback yet. We have to, only time will tell. But it's a very underwhelming Broncos team, and the Bills are really, really good. They're 10 and 3 right now. I think they're poised to be 11 and 3. So give me the Bills minus 5.5. All right, I do have a third pick. Now, before I get to that, just to go back to the Giants, the money has uh, poured in on the Browns. They're now at six and a half favorite. Yeah, that started down at four, I think, at the beginning of the week. Three and a half was started, actually. It started yeah. down at three and a half. Well, this is with and all the Monday Jones stuff and, no, and the Bradbury stuff. And on Monday, we were talking about how the Browns pushed it to four and a half. Yes, you're right. Um, Final pick here. I'm going to go Eagles plus six and a half against the Cardinals. And I normally don't do this. I normally don't pick against the Cardinals. But um, you love I think Jay- I, I, I love both guys. So, I'm kind of it's like, I don't know who to take here, but I, I think the you. Cardinals do. I do think the Cardinals win the game. Okay. I do think the Cardinals win the game. But I think the Eagles keep it very close. I just I, I just think that Jalen Hurts, you know, he could lead the team to a division. And improbable, I mean, the NFCs, anything could happen. Very rare, but possible. But, well, in this division, anything could happen. So, that's your pick. Eagles, yes, my- Eagles plus that, but I don't, I don't think they went out right. I do think the corners win, but I like the Eagles plus six and a half. All right, so the Eagles taking the points, and those are our three picks for the first time in a while. Welcome back to the second show of the week. But let's get to the oh, NBA. Before, before go, go, go for it. Go for it. What is the standings in the uh, picks? I can people? pull it up right now. Hold up. Can have- we tell the people what the uh, standings are? No. Do you know them? Um, I know we are either. I know we are either. We somebody's up a game or it's a tie. It's very close. I think we're tied. I post them on our Twitter every week. Let me go see. Yes, it feels like whoever takes the lead, the other one comes uh, with a response. It's it's yeah. We 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 go back and forth every week. So going into week fourteen, I was eighteen and twenty one. You were sixteen and twenty three. Now I had the Giants plus three. That was a loss. I had the Texans minus one and a half. That was a loss. And I had the Titans minus seven and a half. That was a win. So I am nineteen and twenty-three. You had the Cardinals plus three against the Giants. That's a win. Seahawks minus thirteen and a half against the Jets. That's a win. And Dolphins plus seven. How much did the Dolphins lose by? That was a win too, right? Yeah, they only lost by six. So you you are up here by a game. It looks like you're nineteen and twenty-three. No, we're tied. I think. We're tied. No, I got a win too. Yeah. So we are tied going into week fifteen. I- Hey, which really helped me this season is the uh, taking the big points against the Jets. Yeah, you've you've relied heavily on them, dude. Good for you. <laughs> Not this week. 
No. This, what, I think it's up to 17 and a half this week. Yeah, That's the Rams. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I could trust the Seahawks and the uh, Chiefs. I don't trust the Rams with that. Many. I don't trust the Rams' offense, but anytime, anytime 17 and a half is available, you almost all the time take the underdog. This is like, yes, dude, this is like some college game stuff. Except for me, I've taken the two big points, and it's been two and zero so far. What's the, what's the highest you've took taken this uh, taken this here? I'm taking the Chiefs like 20, 21. Okay, well, that's the Chiefs. Chiefs. If you, don't, if you don't recall, yeah, the Chiefs are different than the Rams, though. Yes, that's why I said normally I would take the uh, the big points, but I don't trust the Rams. Right. All right. So let's get into the basketball, Trevor. Um, I'm not really sure how to approach this. So. Do we do we start from eight to one? Does do one of us read off it? Like, how, how do you want to do this? Well, I, I think we should go from bottom to the top first. Should we alternate who says what, or should one person read it all to the top? Well, I think what we should do is somebody goes and says eight, whatever, and then I go and say eight, whatever. Okay. Then... So I I, I guess I, I I'll start. Okay. So and uh, number eight in the Eastern Conference, I'll take the Atlanta Hawks, and I give them the eight seed. Because they brought in Bogan, uh, Bogdanovich, Rajon Rondo, Danilo Gallinari, and add that with Trey Young. I think you have a playoff team here. And finally, Atlanta is out of the basement, and they're going to make some noise this year. I have the Hawks in it as well. Uh, young team, a couple of additions. Rondo, although we a couple hours ago, he's under he's being sued for I saw that. stuff, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... I'm going to keep those uh, <laughs> PG and generalized. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is team. I think this is around a 500 team again. I think in the East this year, you don't have to be. You could be right around 500 to maybe sneak into that playing tournament or, or playoff spot. So yeah, I think I, I have the Hawks at eight as well. Right, and fans in Atlanta have something to be excited about now for their basketball team. Yes. So at number seven, I'll take the Indiana Pacers and. They didn't do anything crazy in the offseason or in the draft, but a, a bunch of teams hopped over them. And this team, I think they were like fourth or fifth in the standings last year. But I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it, but I have the Nets that jumped over them. I have the Heat that jumped over them. I think the Sixers jumped over them as well. So the Pacers down at seven, for no particular reason, that teams around them got better. Pacers seven as well. I have the Pacers as well. Um, I don't... I don't think there's really a superstar on this team. Maybe Victor Oladipo. That's uh, still beat. That's, that's nothing. That's nothing too crazy. No, but they just have a lot of solid players. Mm-hmm. A bunch of workmanlike people. I think this team you know, that just gets over five hundred, maybe four or five games. You know, they're not an awful team. They're not a great team, but they just a non-superstar. Just a team of solid, like workmanlike players. If you ask me. Right. So at number six, I think I'm gonna get a little hate for this one. I have the Boston Celtics and. There's part of me that doesn't feel threatened by them now. Granted, they just played a preseason game and take the preseason with a grain of salt if you'd like. They just got destroyed by my Brooklyn Nets. That was an embarrassing performance by the Celtics and a great performance by the Nets. But that's only preseason. But there's still a part of me that thinks this team could be really good. But they so they lost uh, Gordon Hayward. They still have the playmaking ability that takes to be a, a legitimate contender. Uh, Kemba Walker is going to be his 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 big year. So, I'm going to give a little hate for this one, but I'll put the Celtics at six. I have the Raptors at six. Um, I just think teams have jumped over them. You know, they, they just couldn't really sustain that, you know, magic of two years ago in the bubble. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of did. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the East is tough this year. I mean, they'll be over 500. There'll be no question about that. You know, but, you know, the East is tough. And, you know, the Raptors have good players. It's just that teams are just better than them this year. And, you know, like you said before about teams jumping over, I think the Nets have. You know, I have the Raptors at six. So, I'm, you know, I'm going to get a little hate for that one too. But I, I, I have the Raptors at five. Now, they got worse. They lost Serge Ibaka. They lost Mark Gasol to your Laker team. But they re-signed Fred Van Fleet. They, they lost a little bit, but they're still able to retain a, uh, for a little bit from, like you said, that manager will run two years ago. Now, Raptors at five, they're still, like the Celtics, legitimate to me. Who do you have at five? I have the Celtics at five, so we flip-flop. All right, so we just flip-flop there. Uh, I don't know. I can't get a good read on the Celtics, you know. Me neither. They still have talent. They kind of don't. I don't know. You know, a little biased, you know. Not the, not the uh, you know, if you ask me about Celtics things, and you know, not the greatest person to ask. Um, They got some players. Right. You know, losing Gordon Hayward doesn't help. Well, he wasn't on the court anyway that much. No. <laughs> you know, I feel sorry for him, but I hope he does well in Charlotte. Yep. Um, You know. This is the team I just can't get a good read on. By the way, I'm watching ESPN right now. Look at the Lakers are getting destroyed by Phoenix right now. One little tune-up. Uh, well, I'm watching the Pac-12 championship game. Shows how much I uh, care about preseason NBA. You, you, so you're not sweating this. LeBron looks like he's rolling his his leg with a with a what do they call him? What are the, what are the, those roller things? I think I think I think LeBron just really doesn't want to get hurt. <laughs> no, he he. They, why should he? Why why should he want to play in these games? He's gonna mean nothing. You know, hopefully the team went zero four in the preseason. I really wouldn't care. What channel is Pat Twelve on? Like on FS One, Fox. I you know I, I knew they were playing. I didn't even um. Let's see. So it's thirty to twelve. I, I, I don't know how you can get in the preseason games. They mean absolutely nothing. Me too. Um, LeBron has five. Davis has four. And, Caldwell has three. Yeah, you know, like I said before, I don't care if they lose by four. Just don't get hurt. I want to be like you. I'm going to put on Pac-12. I don't need to watch preseason basketball. But, right, go ahead. I think preseason anyway a little bit too much, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I, I haven't been really into it. I'll be into it when it's for real on December 22nd. Yeah, I watched the highlights of the Laker game. You know, like just two-minute highlights, but yeah. nothing else. Yeah, it, it means nothing. But so who, who have we got at four now? Now we're going into the home seeding team. The, now we're getting to the teams that I think can legitimately represent the East in the finals. At four, I'll take the 76ers. So they get Dwight Howard. They bring in Ty Lue as a new head coach. I'm looking for big things from Ben Simmons and everything that the Sixers stand for. It's it's finally their year to make that step and be finals. Uh, I mean, they've been contenders, but they have to start showing it, right? So they're not better than that. So they're not better than the Bucks. They're not better than the Heat. But so I'll, t- I'll I'll put the Sixers at four, Heat at four for me. Okay. Um, defending youth champions, can you know short off season? Can they, you know, these are always teams that overperform and they never can really regain that magic the next season. Mm-hmm. You saw it with the Raptors; they were good last year, but they could never really recapture the glory of a year ago or two years ago. So they'll be in the mix this year. The Heat, obviously, they could win the East. I'm not saying they can again. Mm-hmm. I, I just think there's better teams out there now. Three better teams. But the Heat, you know, if you told me I'm picking the Heat to win the East, I couldn't argue against it. But to me, Heat are four. So I'll get to the Heat in second because at number three, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Wake up, America. The Brooklyn Nets are here to play. 
They bring back Joe Harris this offseason. They traded for Landry Shamet to solidify shooting from deep. Of course, you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Both of them seem to be fully healthy. KD was playing great defense tonight. I saw a couple highlights. I am super excited for this team. I would have put him at two, but I didn't want to come off as too biased. So I had the heat up at two because they represented the East in the finals last year. But Nets at three, and I just told you, heat at two because they re-signed uh, Dragic. They brought in Avery Bradley, and I still think their series starts to win the East. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you my three, two now. Um, at three, I have the Bucks. Wow. Um, you know what the heck? You know, Giannis, they just can't get over the big one. You but, know, but the, how does that apply to the regular season? Well, I'll tell you that. Again. I just don't think they're as. I, I just think the East has gotten tougher, and you know, last year, you know, there was a good team. I don't think they were as good as, you know, 50 wins. I'm sorry. And you know in the playoffs, man, when we did our playoff predictions in the bubble, I was not high in the Bucks as well. I know, but they bring in Drew Holiday. They got they got a somewhat uh, good defense now. Yeah, but I'm not buying They don't do it I'm for just, you? I'm not saying they're a bad team. I'm just not buying it. All right, go ahead and give me a two and one. Two is the 76ers. Okay. I um, like where this is going, Trevor. I just think that, you know, Doc Rivers coming in. This could be – I was going to put him out one, but I figured that, you know, Dude. the team in New York City might just be a Dude. little bit more talented. Um, I love first, I love, I love, love where you're going here. I love it. First, as a uh, – Doc Rivers, I think he's going to do a great job. I think, you know, it's not this year. They don't win the championship this year, but maybe two or three years down the road, you might be seeing a, a trophy host in uh, Philadelphia. But this is certainly a year that, you know, maybe not the finals, but maybe a deep playoff run. I'm getting giddy. And number one is going to be the Nets. I have them at... Yes, sir! Um, you know, they, they, they've taken over New York City now. You know, oh, yes, they the have. Little, the Knicks are the little brother now. I'm oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know about that, but... Uh, oh. the, Nets will, the Nets will never be big brothers to the Knicks. But they can always be better than them. <laughs> um, They are better this year. I, I think they're the team... That, I think they are definitely the team to beat in the East this year. I love hearing that. I really um, do. I think they're the most deepest team in the East, besides them and the Heat. I I think I think if the Nets play like they can play, they should be able to beat these top teams, in my opinion, in the oh, East. I love that, Trevor. I love hearing that. Anything else you want to add on the East? No, it's just that, you know, if you ask me, if I said, tell me, if you had to give me a long shot team to win the conference, who would it be? A long shot team. I'll give you the Sixers. I was yeah. Well, is that was, is that is that is that a long shot? Do you consider them long? Because I, I yeah, they're the number four for me. Well, I have my two, so yeah. Who's, 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 who's your I long shot? A, my long shot. Well, I can't say the seventy six. I have my two. I will give you the Raptors as a long. I don't know if you call them a long shot, but so you just to be clear, you have the. Celtics over the Raptors, or the Raptors over the Celtics. I uh, know Celtics over the Raptors. Celtics over the Raptors. Got it. All good. Let's go Nets. We'll leave it there, and let's get to the Western Conference. And this is an interesting one for me. I have a couple. I I I, I should start with this, Trevor. I have the Houston Rockets missing the playoffs. I have them. 
uh, a 10. Can I, but I, I want to preference this, that I'm assuming Harden gets traded relatively quickly. Well, even if Harden doesn't get traded, they're all in distractions, too. That's what I'm saying. People are telling me, or they're not telling me, I'm reading reports that this place is a cancer to play in, no one gets along here, there's distractions, like you said. It doesn't seem like the ideal winning environment. So, if the Rockets are at 10, they still technically make the playoffs. Technically, but they're not in our 1 through 8. They're in the playing game, although I don't think I think they lose in the first playing game anyway. So. Me too. I'm I'm again I'm going off the uh the the assumption that Harden's gone. So or he will be going sometime in the season. Yes. Do you and want, if you're not good, uh, just as a point of reference, the NBA trade deadline is March 25th. Yes, that was agreed upon. So um, good. Do you want to start with the Western Conference, or you want to keep going? I'll start way? with the Western Conference. Go for it. Um, number eight, I'm gonna have is the Pelicans. Okay. Um. Let's see what Van Gundy does. I think, you know, different coach, second well, experience this season. I'm not saying this is going to be, you know, the big charge up to the top. You know, it's going to be a couple years. Mm-hmm. I think it starts this season. I think the Pelicans are the eighth seed and a very competitive Western Conference. And the, I'm excited for this team. I really am. You know, if the Pelicans make the playoffs, they should really be thinking, like, <laughs> why, why do you say that? Well, they. Oh, for all the they, players they traded for, right. Yeah, although the Lakers should be thinking the Pelicans, too. I mean, you know. Um, but, you know, Pelicans, you know, this is a really interesting team. You know, if they can play like they can play, they can't, They will be in the playoffs. Period. So I have the Pelicans missing, but at number eight, I got the Phoenix Suns. and I have them at nine. Okay. But I think the Suns would have made it either way if they didn't make the trade for CP3 because they're a young team. They're on the rise. I think they get in there. But you add CP3 with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, and you have a team, with the exception of Chris Paul, with a real future that can one day be legitimate title contenders. They're going to get their feet wet this year. They're going to dip their toes in the pool. So I'll put the Suns in. Oh, I think the Suns could be very good. I just think the problem is they're in such a tough conference. Yes, it's a very, um, very, very tough conference. Now, this year, they'll take their, they'll take their wounds. They'll get blown out a couple times. It happens with young teams. Um, but it'll be a learning experience. Yes, for that's what I'm saying. They're, they're going to dip their toes in the pool. They'll win a, they'll win a good few good games. But, mm-hmm. you know, as young teams, they'll get blown out sometimes by 40. Yep. It happens. It's going to happen. But it's all part of, you know, growing pains and all that. But, you know, if there's a Phoenix fan, or if you are a Phoenix fan, you got a lot to be excited about it, if you ask me. Completely agree. Seven, I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers. Okay. This was a team last year, and I remember all the talk, that this was the eighth seed that could beat the one last year. Yes. Um, Did not. I thought, <laughs> I thought, you know, after game one, you know, a lot of people were saying that was going was to happen. Um, but I, I think in the end what happened was in the bubble is that the Trailblazers just played so many games, even in the eight-game seeding thing, that just meant it was do or die every game. Eventually caught up to them. And you, they just couldn't do that mentality anymore. But, you know, this is a solid team, you know. Same pieces. I mean, this is a really good team. And for this team to be a seven seed, man, what shows you how tough a conference this is. Hey, Trevor, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. I turned on the Pac-12 game like you suggested. This yeah. is some upset right here. You know what? The line, when USC, when Oregon came in, the USC line went down. And I knew Oregon was a pretty good team. So I was, susp- I was a suspect low line. You know, I'm a little surprised, but Oregon's a really good team. 
but they weren't even supposed to be here. And then they have to come in here right now. They're up what? They're up like 14, 14. I think. Yeah. It's pretty I, shocking. I was, expecting, I was expecting USC to win by 14. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. So at my number seven, I have the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm really bummed out by them. Their best offseason acquisition was Willie Stein. That's it. They didn't move the needle for me. They're going to hover. I mean, hopefully they have a, hope, um, a healthy Kristaps Porzingis. Still don't know what's up with him. If he's if ever, ever, ever healthy, what's going on with his brother in the Middle East, whatever distractions they have. So I have the Mavericks down at seven. I have at six the Mavericks. Okay. Um, you know, Luka Doncic and Porzingis, if he's healthy, that's a pretty good duo. If, you know. Right. I'll tell you this. I have the Blazers up at six. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna make noise this year. Maybe a couple years down the road. But at six, I think you know this is a solid team. It's a really solid team. I I have I have the Blazers at six. So we we just flip flop there. I'm a big fan of what they're doing with by the way with the Blazers. They bring in Derek Jones and Ennis Cantor. Damian Lillard's one of the. I think he. I, I don't want to call him underrated, but he's not talked about enough. So I'm a big fan of what Portland's doing. I you know I agree Portland I'm big fan of Portland too I got the Jazz at five me too me too um I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan I like him mm-hmm. I like what I've seen in Utah by the way big extension for Donovan Mitchell Mitchell yes I like what I've seen and this is a good team and you know last year they put up a hell of a fight against Denver mm-hmm. I think they that was won that, that. I think that was one of the most entertaining series in the playoffs mm-hmm. they should have won that series yes mm-hmm. I I have uh, to agree with that. The Jazz, another solid team, superstar Mitchell. I mean, they got. Uh, this is a team that you know, not a team that could be on a title in a couple of years, but you know, we're gonna have to see what happens. That's very true. And it, num- I have the Jazz five two, so I'll go to number four. At number four, I got the Golden State Warriors. Now, even without Clay Thompson, they still have Steph Curry. They have Draymond Green. They should be able to carry the load. And this is one reason why I put them this high up. And it's not going to be all because of him. But I'm a big fan of James Wiseman. They needed a big man center. And with the second pick of the draft, they got him. The Warriors aren't going to win the finals this year, Trevor. But you're going to have three California teams in the top four in the Western Conference that'll be competitive. It's going to be really fun as a fan of the Eastern Conference uh, with, the, with the Nets to watch. But it's going to be stressful for you. So you have the Warriors at four? Yes, I do. I agree. You have the Warriors at four, too. Yeah. All right, who's your three? Well, well, Clay Thompson now doesn't help them. It doesn't, not at all. It, it, if they had Clay, they'd be up there with one and two with the Lakers. Yes. Well, yes, I agree with that. So who, who, you got a, who you got a three? Nuggets. Yeah, me too. I think, I think we're along the same lines here. They're just that team that, you know, they just can't reach the top two. Right. I have the Nuggets, too. They didn't do much, dude, but... They didn't really need to do much. I know, but they they I um I found one that they did. They had Lamichael Green. They lost, but they lost Jeremy Grant though. But they, they they didn't move the needle that much. They're good, so they're gonna hang a three for me. Two, I got the Clippers, and I agree with you on that too. I think if they can get some sort of connection, if they can get some sort of chemistry, I think they can legitimately uh, legitimately hold off the Lakers. But you only got to see. They bring in Serge Ibaka. Ty Lue is there now, and. If they want to beat the Lakers, like I said, they got to develop chemistry and they have to play good defense. Now, the one thing I would say is, if you go on paper, the gap between the Lakers and the Clippers has grown in the offseason. Yes, definitely. Because well, the Lakers, dude, they got 
better after their championship. You know, instead LeBron, you, you, bring back AD, you bring in Mark Gasol, and from the Clippers, Montrez Harrell. What's up? And you bring in Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Well, Schroeder's hurt. Hopefully, he'll be ready to go. Any word on well, that? Look, look, it doesn't look like it'd be a serious injury. All right, that's good. Only a mild ankle sprain. He didn't sound too. He didn't sound too concerned about it. So looks like it's looks like they avoided the big one. So our one through five is the same in the in the West. Yeah. Well, how often do you see a championship team make that many moves? It's very rare. It's very rare and for I the championship it. team to get better. I love. Um, but you know the Clippers—they're the big losers in the offseason. I think. Yes, I agree. They they can't. They shouldn't have let Harold walk. walk. And I, Patrick Bailey was probably mad about it. If you yeah, saw I'm sure. Twitter. I'm sure. But uh, you want to add anything else? Western Conference, really good. You know, I don't want to hear that it's just a two-team conference, Clippers and Lakers. All right, there's certainly teams down there that could certainly make a surprise. All right, so those are our NBA predictions. We have Jean Fanta waiting. We'll get to him right now. And after that, me and Trey will come back and wrap things up. And we're back from break. And we are now joined by Jean Fanta, who works for Fox Sports as a play-by-play guy for college basketball. He also hosts Biggie Shootaround on Fox Sports Go. And over the summer, he worked as a beat reporter for IndiansBaseballInsider.com. Uh, John, w- welcome to the show. Me and Trevor are really happy to have you. Guys, it's great to be with the MDM Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. And happy holidays to both of you. This is uh, a fun week to be podcasting with you guys for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and we, so let's we'll address that. We had some technical difficulties. John had a great, great open about snow and stuff like that. But uh, just to make it short, he he is inside. He had a shovel, so uh, he's probably tired. But now he gets to come on here and talk some Browns Giants at the end. Maybe if we have time, we'll do a little Indians and Lindor. We'll get his thoughts on that. But again, thanks for coming on with us, John. And I'll start. We'll go with the Monday Night Football Thriller. That was between the Browns and the Ravens. And Browns come up short. Probably the best game of the year. Best game I've seen in a while. So, John, your thoughts on that game. Wow. I mean, what a a classic in Cleveland. You get the Browns down by two touchdowns multiple times in this game. Baker Mayfield throws a pick. It's looking like a similar narrative. But Cleveland showed that they are for real. They showed that they need to be at the table with some of the NFL's best this season, and they show that they have a bright future. You know, you don't have one starting player that's at the age of 30 or or older. They have quite a future. The Cleveland Browns made a statement, even in a loss. And for Baltimore, they showed why they need to be viewed as a Super Bowl contender and why when Lamar Jackson faced Pat Mahomes early in the season, everybody was calling that the QB showdown of the present and the future. Baltimore's a great football team. They're so well coached. I remember when John Harbaugh was on the hot seat. That was ridiculous. They, they just play such sound football. Their corners are so good. And I think it, it speaks to Cleveland that against that Baltimore defense, they scored 42 points. You know, that shows you what kind of offense the Browns have. It was a great game. It was a classic of the game. I think both are absolutely playoff teams. I think Baltimore is going to win out. I think that the Browns are going to be okay. The Browns need to beat the Giants on Sunday to make sure they are okay. But if they play the way they did this past Monday, they're not going to lose to many teams in the NFL. Uh, John, what would you say is the one key to the Browns for them to make a deep playoff run? 
the biggest key for the Cleveland Browns to make a deep playoff run is to get out to a lead and to cover intermediate to deep passes. The Browns' secondary is flawed. Now, they've been without Denzel Ward. They've been without Ronnie Harrison. Those two injuries are brutal. I mean, they're just devastating for Cleveland because those two players are so important. The Browns, when they get a lead, they seem to kick it up to a different gear. And when you can run the football the way they can, it really makes you tough to come back on because they can get first downs. They can move the chains. Nick Chubb is as good of a running back in the NFL. I mean, I I really do believe that. Um, You know, there's a couple other guys that you could put up there. You could certainly talk about Dalvin Cook. Um, But I think that Chubb is, is right there. He's right in the thick of things with some of the best backs in the league. When you combine that with Kareem Hunt, who's also a good receiving back, it makes them lethal. But the key to answer your question is the Browns' ability to cover intermediate to deep passes. They've struggled with that. It's given them a lot of problems. They have a solid pass rush. Miles Garrett can make a a game-changing play. But in the secondary, Cleveland has issues, and a Pat Mahomes could just torch them, just like Lamar Jackson got done doing on Monday. Yeah, and John, you mentioned that you have, or the, the Browns rather, have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, a great one-two punch. And it's becoming more and more common throughout the NFL to have one a, a, a traditional running back, and then number two, a receiving back. And we come on here every Monday, and we dissect every Giants game. And week after week, we talk about how in the future it would be awesome to have number one Saquon Barkley healthy obviously and number two have a Wayne Gallman this could be a lethal one-two punch now granted Wayne Gallman is not an electric running back but if you could be half as good as what the Browns have right now you're oh, setting yeah. success yeah and they've invested in their offensive line um and and that offensive line has showed that they can run block and I agree with you I mean I I think that the Giants have quite the upside. I think that you could argue the Giants have the best upside out of any of the NFC East teams. Because here's the thing. This defense for the Giants has outperformed anybody's expectations. What they did against the Seahawks was very impressive. And I think that Cleveland's a little bit scared of what the Giants' defense could do against them. Because, guys, Baker Mayfield's a momentum quarterback. And that's the key to the game on Sunday. If you're the New York Giants, how do you get an early stop? How do you throw Baker off a little bit? Because it's it's all or nothing. If he gets in a groove, it's scary what he can do. If you have Mayfield out of sorts, it goes the other way. Gallman, Barkley, with Barkley at the forefront, could prove to be a really, really dynamic duo. Do you have a quarterback question to answer? Yes. Yes. I mean – Daniel Jones, I don't know if he's the answer. Does he get allowed back for another year? Yeah, I think so, because I've seen Daniel Jones do things that, that have been encouraging. Um, I, I do. I still, I still believe that Daniel Jones could be an option. Um, I know that some Giants fans are, are probably upset, frustrated, you name it. But I, for one, I'm not, I'm not ready to just jump ship. I think it's hard to do it. I think if you could draft a quarterback in the right spot in this upcoming draft, of course, you do it. I mean, you figure out a way to do it. But I, I like the Giants running back duo. I think this offensive line, it couldn't get any worse. So they've only gotten better. And Joe Judge was the right hire. Joe Judge 
what was such a great hire for the New York Giants. He has restored order in the building. He's a no BS guy. Yeah, and you're, t- you're taking the words out of our mouth, dude, because every week we have this argument. I am a big Dan- uh, Daniel Jones for- for, uh, proponent. He is not. And I'm trying to explain to him that if you draft a rookie quarterback, you're setting this team back two years because then you have to build around another rookie quarterback. Now, granted, if you had the opportunity to take Trevor Lawrence, if because it's not going to happen now. The Giants are not getting their one overall pick. But if they did, we can have that conversation. But right now, I am okay with having a mediocre quarterback. I put that in quotes because I think sometimes he can be above average. But I'm okay having a middle-of-the-pack quarterback if you're going to have a lethal defense. If you can run the ball with, um, even like we said before, Saquon Barkley and Wayne Gallman. So I'm okay with Daniel Jones. So my question to you is, because you mentioned them, is Baker Mayfield the franchise quarterback of the, of the Browns? Do you believe that? Like the, or is there still – because there's sometimes question marks. Do you really believe that? Hmm. With Daniel Jones? No, no, with Baker Mayfield. Sorry. Do I believe that he's the franchise quarterback? Do you think he's going to stay around long term? Because there are times you watch the games, like a third-year quarterback doesn't make those uh, uh, choices. He doesn't make those decisions. I get your argument. But here's the thing, Joe. When you have a revolving door like Cleveland has had for two decades, you need some sort of sustainability. You have to find a way to get some stability to your product. Now, do you think that do you think that's you moving down and accepting mediocrity? I'm not saying it's mediocre. No. I'm not saying no, it's I don't I don't think he's a top five quarterback, but you don't have to be a top five quarterback to win the Super Bowl. I agree. Being a top five quarterback gives you a better chance. I think Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback that has the capabilities to be great and has been great in certain games. He was great on Monday night. He was great. And he was great against the Tennessee Titans. And he's minimized the turnovers. He has made some mistakes. He's missed guys in the end zone. He's missed, he's missed throws. I think it comes with with just his whole arsenal. I think I think it's all part of the skill set. There there are some good. There's a lot of good. There is some bad. But remember, I can counter you with this. This is fourth head coach in three years. Four head coaches. You're having to listen to Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, then Freddie Kitchens, and now Kevin Stefanski. And Baker's been far better this season than he was last season, where he was terrible. He was a joke. You got to stick with this guy. I think he is the long-term option for the Cleveland Browns, and and I'm seeing signs that that's the case here because he has put together a fairly consistent season. If I were going to grade his season, I'd probably give it a B or a B plus. Is it A? No, it's not A. But I'm not, but and 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 you could say that I'm I'm satisfied with a B B plus. But when you've been living in a D and an F world for years, yeah, you're going to take your B plus in your class. And you're going to run with it for now. You know, I don't know what's going to happen three or four years from now. Nobody does in this league. With the Rams were terrible five years ago, you know, five, six years ago. They went to the Super Bowl two years ago. Then they're really good again. This league changes in waves. Look at the Eagles. They were in the Super Bowl. Now they suck. Um, so, like, it's, it's, it changes every day. But Baker Mayfield's the franchise quarterback. John, as a as a Browns fan, do you think the Browns win the Super Bowl within the next five years? Yeah. Yeah, I do. As a Browns fan, that's my hope. And and 
Like, I, again, you, you just heard me say I can't predict a five-year plan, but the Browns have the best running back tandem in the NFL. They have the best offensive line, if not one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They have a solid quarterback who has the capabilities to explode. Guys, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, okay? Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. When people are like, you got to have a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. If you get hot for four straight games or three straight games, anything can happen. Baker Mayfield gets hot. He can get hot in the game. Cleveland's going to throw money at their defense. Guess who has the most cap space in the NFL? Cleveland. Think about how talented Cleveland is. And they have the most money available in the league. So do I? Yeah, I think they can win a Super Bowl in the next five years. Is that? I know I sound crazy saying that, but it, it's not that crazy when you think about this team. Maybe, maybe winning a playoff game this year would get people to start to think about them in that light. I think there's some people who do not think about them in that regard yet. But I think Cleveland's showing us something here. And, and now let's see if they can make it consistent. Because here's the thing, guys. I'll say it right now. If the Browns play the way they're capable of on Sunday, they're going to beat the Giants by two or three touchdowns. They're going to. But in the NFL, that's not how the league works. Every week is different. Every game is different. And if the Giants can play up, and, and if Colt McCoy can manage the game, the Giants could win this football game. Well, the chances of the Browns winning just got a little bit easier because I just found out that James Bradbury is going on the COVID list. So the best defensive player on the Giants most likely was this Thursday, probably out Sunday. I think it's three days. Mm. So Baker Mayfield's job just got a lot easier. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. But – uh, I, I, I was going to ask this question, but I, I guess it's pretty obvious now. What holds up longer, the Browns' offense or the Giants' defense? Both the strong suits of the team. Hmm. Well, you know, like this is where it's tough because of Bradbury being out now. And, and I, I do think that the Giants can stop the Browns on the run. Um, I think that the Giants are going to stack the box and dare Cleveland to throw it downfield. But Cleveland's finding contributions from multiple sources now. You know, they, it's not only Jarvis Landry, who could have a big game on Sunday night, but Rashard Higgins um, and Kareem Hunt as a receiver and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who has been a deep threat here. So I think the Browns' offense holds up longer because here's the thing. At some point, Nick Chubb's going to break one. He, he breaks one every game, if not twice a game. Uh, and with Bradbury out... You know, I, I like this giant D. I think they've, they've exceeded my expectations. The Giants have to get an early play in this game to win the game. They need an early turnover. They need an early sack. They need something to jumpstart them in the game. Because you guys know this. If Cleveland drives down the field and scores, what is, as a Giant fan, like what, what are you thinking in your head if it's 7-0 Cleveland? Oh, God. <sighs> That's exactly what I'll be saying. Oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> you got to get out to a lead. I know it's cliche, but you do. The Browns, the Browns are not an experienced football team, um, and neither are the Giants. So the team that gets out to a lead, you, you ride momentum sometimes. Um, but I like the Browns because they can run the football in the second half of games and wear teams down. Do you think the Browns' defense can contain Jones in the pocket? Because he's had a lot of big runs this season. Do you think they can – contain him in the pocket and hold his scrambling and runs to a, a minimum. Well, will Jones be playing or not? Because Ian Rappaport's saying that it could be Colt McCoy here on Sunday. I mean, if he long, plays, you don't know. 
if Daniel Jones plays, yeah, Cleveland has had trouble with quarterbacks who can run. And if the Giants' key to the game is is being able to neutralize Miles Garrett, don't let Miles Garrett impact the game. If you have to double him, whatever you have to do. And so Daniel Jones could be at an advantage here on the run. I mean, this is against a Cleveland defense that just look what they did against Lamar Jackson. They couldn't control him at all. Daniel Jones is capable as a running quarterback. But yeah, they on third down and four, if you're Joe Judge, do you consider a bootleg or a read type option? I mean, don't be surprised if Daniel Jones takes off and runs. Cleveland's been poor against the play action and against deception, deception offenses. So I do expect Daniel Jones to be able to take off in this game and run. Well, all right, I'm going to throw this question back at you because, well, right now it's still a question mark. I'm not ruling him out, but it's not looking like it. But if he plays, and like you said before, I'm, like I said, I'm going to throw it back, right back at you. If on the first drive of the game, let's say the Giants win the coin toss, Daniel Jones has a 60-yard run down the field and the Giants eventually score, and it's a 7-0. What are you saying? I'm saying that the Browns can answer. I'm saying that the Browns have shown me that they can answer. I'm a little nervous because this is a game that's so critical. Um, but I would I would be sitting there saying, okay, you know, the Browns can respond from this, but they got to respond. Um, I think I think as opposed to the Giants, who if you trail, you know, offense can be hard to come by at times for the Giants. They they kind of they kind of go about it in a frenetic way. But I, I think this is I, I would be okay. I'm, I'm much more okay than I've been because I think this Browns team has learned they can come back in games. But I think this is a critical game for Cameron Fleming, for Andrew Thomas, you know, at the tackle spots. They've got to be able to contain the edge. I think it's a big game for Evan Ingram. And I say that because the Browns have struggled at their linebacker spots. Sione Taki Taki, Mac Wilson, but it's been, a, it's been a linebacker core that's given up plays in the middle of the field. Watch out for Ingram to have a good game. Um, if Denzel Ward doesn't play, that's big. Denzel Ward is up at the air. He, he could play in this game. You know, if he does, then then he gets on Shepard. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. that. That's a really interesting element to this game as well. I think that the, that the biggest key in this game, though, is whether or not your 3-4 defense, you know, do we see Dexter Lawrence? Do we see Leonard Williams? Do we see Jabal Sheard, a former Cleveland Brown? Like, do these guys step up and make plays for the Giants? Do they get some pressure on Mayfield? If you don't get pressure on Mayfield, and now you have Bradbury out, what are you relying on? Darnay Holmes? You know, Julian Love? Holmes is questionable. Sam Beal's questionable. Bradbury now being out, that that puts a lot of stress on some backup corners. As As a Browns fan, who would you not want to play in a wild card round? One team. <laughs> I do not want any part of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're like a computer game. I mean, my God, I, I don't know what to say. It's impossible. It's impossible to have to go up against them inside their house. Fans are not. Arrowhead Stadium. The Browns pass coverage is not good, guys. The Giants should be able to hit some 15 to 20-yard passes on Sunday. I'd be surprised if they're not. So I expect Kansas City, if they, if the Chiefs met the Browns, the game might end 50 to 34. You know, Cleveland could score. Like, here's the key for Cleveland if they play Kansas City. Do what Tennessee did against teams last year in the playoffs. Run the football. Run it. Run it and keep the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hands. I actually think the Browns could run on the Chiefs. The Chiefs' run defense is not good. They give up big plays. 
but teams get stuck. What happens is teams get like stressed out. You guys feel this watching games. Teams feel like I got to throw, I got to get it back. You got to stay committed to the run. You know, you got to, it's like playing Madden. And um, when you, when you're playing, like you, we've all played against that, that guy who has a defense who's impossible to pass against. So you just have to literally keep running the football against him. And he's going to, he's betting that you're going to throw it at some point. You got to do that against Kansas city too. Um, but I, I would not want to face the chiefs in the playoffs. That, that to me would be an impossible matchup for Cleveland and, and really for anybody. Cause if, if Mahomes plays the way he's capable of, the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And, John, similar to the Giants, the Browns took an offensive line, uh, lineman in the first round. So what have you seen from Jedrick Wills this year? Oh, I like him a lot. Um, I think he's been real steady. He's been one of the top-ranked uh, PFF offensive linemen. And, and at the rookie, as a rookie, he's been really great at the left tackle spot. He's been everything the Browns could have – hope for so you know on on sunday night dexter lawrence leonard williams uh coming at him we'll see what happens with wills but i guys i think he's been real solid this browns offensive line they really invested in um they made moves they made acquisitions you actually have one of the guys that that's no longer a brown and that's kevin zeitler uh who i from my understanding has been pretty solid this yeah. year for the Giants. so i i like wills a lot it was a really good pickup for Cleveland. All right. And uh, so, so far, uh, Kevin, uh, Stef- I can't speak. Kevin Stefanski's first year has been uh, pretty good. Are you sold on him as the head coach yet? Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I am more than sold. Where can I buy all of the stock? I'm like, I'm like Scrooge McDuck in the pile of gold in DuckTales with Kevin Stefanski. I love this guy. He's mature, controlled. He's aggressive in his play calling, but yet he doesn't get too high or too low. He has changed the culture of the Cleveland Browns. He's going to be their coach. If they're winning playoff games and winning the Super Bowl, he's the guy that's going to be doing it. Uh, What's your thoughts about Kareem Hunt on this season? Well, I'll tell you what. I think he's best. Um, I have a friend who's told me this, and I love it. Nick Chubb is power with speed. Kareem Hunt is speed with power. He runs hard. He's quick. He can catch the football on the outside and take off, just like he did against the Ravens in, with that touchdown score um, to get the Browns, you know, back ahead on Monday Night Football against Baltimore. So I think for Hunt, he, he gets like, – like, he's a really good back and would be a one back in a lot of systems. He becomes great working with Chubb. Chubb and him benefit off each other. They they kind of rub off each other in their approach. I think these two are they're just they are uh, such a good combination. I mean, really, and and they give you a, a salt and pepper type feel. Two totally different backs in the way they do their business, which makes it really hard to bring them down. I think Hunt's had a great year. I mean, I would give him an A. You know, if I'm if I'm giving out a grade, I think the Giants are going to see that on Sunday. I mean. It is. It's really hard for you as a defense now without Bradbury. Like on the outside, the Browns can put Kareem Hunt on one side of the field, and they'll put Jarvis Landry on the other, and they'll say, "You know what? Try to figure out a way to cover this." So, John, in the intro, we talked about how you, over the summer you worked for Cleveland dot com, and as an Indians fan, I have to ask you: 
Is Lindor going to be traded? What do you expect back for Francisco Lindor? I know we're off the script of uh, Giants-Browns, but I, I, I've, I've been curious to hear what your thoughts on that one. Yeah, uh, I do think Francisco Lindor is going to get traded. I think it'll be rather soon that it happens. It's going to be some point here soon. Um, and if I were to list the primary destinations, I think either New York team could end up with them. But if I were to list the number one destination, I think it's the New York Mets. I really do. I think Stevie Cohen's going to want to make a statement. He's going to want a big-time player. He has the resources. Um, the Mets and the Indians are closely connected. The Mets just literally interviewed um, Mike Chernoff, their general manager. So it's not like they 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 don't know who who everybody is in this, if there's a transaction made. It stinks for Cleveland and for Indians fans. Um, you know, this whole situation stinks. Uh, the ownership is not willing to spend the money that it would take to pay him. And so what stinks to people is if you're not going to pay this guy, who are you ever going to pay? You know, he's one of the best players in the game. He's got a great personality. But the answer to that question is they're not going to pay. This current ownership group is not going to pay for that type of play. Um, but that's how the Indians are run. The Indians are a really well-run organization in terms of their front office. They just don't spend money while doing it. They, they cultivate farm players. They draft great talent. I mean, three of their five starting pitchers were drafted in 2016. Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak being the other. Um, and who is the third? Oh, Aaron Savali. So the Indians draft really well. I mean, you think about it. They drafted three pitchers in 2016, and now all three of them are starters. That's unheard of in baseball. But they're going to trade Lindor. I think he's going to be a Met. That's just my gut. All right, so as a Yankee fan, let me draw up a little trade proposal for you. So I might be a little biased, but let's go with it. So if I'm the Yankees, I, you, I'll, I'll be Brian Cashman. You be uh, uh, Mike Trinoff. All right, so here we go. I will offer you Luke Boyd, Clint Frazier. Uh, let's do Miguel Andahar, Clark Schmidt, who's their number two prospect. I think he's somewhere in the 80s on the wow. line. And one more prospect. Would you do it? Hmm. I would do that. You would. I would do that. I love Luke Boyd. Uh, and Duhar, I think, you know, there's there's an upside still there. You're giving me a number two prospect, and you're giving me an additional prospect. And who was the other player? Clint Frazier, because you guys outfield right now. I, th- you're, I think not- you're getting outfield was like 250 last year. Bo Neller had a good playoff series, but I, I'm sure you're no, sick of hearing Tyler Naquin. I'm sure you said – from El Ray Sprigo, but I'm sure you're sick of hearing all these guys in the outfield who just can't hit. And Reyes didn't play in the outfield. You know, he's, he just So um, I would take that. Where do I sign? I would take that deal. I don't know if they'll be willing to give him up because what the Yankees might say is, well, we could get him in free agency, you know. But whoever trades for him is going to have first dips. Exactly. And also, don't forget, you lost Carlos Santana too, so you know, first baseman because Jake Bowers isn't going to cut it. There, there, was there some serious thought there a couple of years ago that Jake Bowers was the first baseman of the future? Oh, there's still a thought. No, no, no. Like right now, if the season started, the Indians would have Josh Naylor start at first base. I'm yeah. not kidding. That's yeah. the plan. And like there, that that is the plan for the Indians at first base. I mean, I I I would be surprised actually if Josh Naylor weren't the starting first baseman next season. They're they're going to be a retooling team. They're, they have they have a weird. They're in a weird zone. They have the best pitcher in baseball, but they're kind of in this middle. Oh no 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 no. They, right now, <laughs> that's for another day john i don't want to set you off here <laughs> listen he won the al cy young award 
And um, did, he blow it? did he blow it in his first playoff start? Yeah, I, I understand that. It was his first career playoff start. You watch. Watch what happens with this kid. I think Shane Beaver's just starting. You I think he's going to Cy Young in 11 games. I'm going to forget that. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to set you up here, John. If we have you on ever again, we can have this debate. But I do want to ask you, I don't know if Trevor has any more questions, but we also mentioned that you do college hoops for Fox Sports. So are you willing to share with us any of the new protocols you have to do on game day? Like what's different? What's changed from an average year to, to calling a basketball game in 2020? Everything. Uh, everything has changed. It's Zoom calls with the coaches. You can't go to a practice. You can't see any shoot-arounds. When you get into the building, you get tested. You get your temperature checked. You get screened. You're not going out to dinner. You get to the hotel. If you're traveling for a game and you stay in that room, you don't go anywhere. So it is so different. Um, wearing a mask, calling the game. Uh, would have never predicted that, but just trying to stay safe because that's all we can do right now is, is you just got to try to stay as safe as possible. Right. Trevor, you have any questions? Yeah. I know it's early in the season, but who would be the favorite to win the Big East? Well, it's Villanova's league until they leave. Um, and I, I know that that's a shocking answer, but the Wildcats are just so good. And and between Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and Justin Moore, the sophomore duo, then you got a senior point guard in Colin Gillespie. In their win over Butler on Wednesday night, Villanova had six players with eight-plus points. You know, that that is – that's depth. That is versatility. The Cats are poised once again. They could be in the Final Four. They're the best team in the Big East. They're the most consistent team in this conference. All right, John. I've got a. I got two questions. Now it's a cardinal sin, but I'll. I'll still do it. Um, best game you've called this year, and best game on the slate tonight. Wow. Wow. Well, I've called. I've. I've called four games. Um, so Very early, but four games for Fox. Wouldn't say I've had a, a you know quote best of the of the games in terms of a great game. I had Fairly Dickinson in Providence. Yeah, I was watching that. Yeah, yeah. And Frank Horenda at Fairly Dickinson. If you guys ever need a podcast guest, he is phenomenal, and he is just such a good guy. He's great people, energetic. He he runs a really clean cup program. They're they're so solid in, in who they are. They know who they are very well. And on the NEC, they're going to be one of the top teams in the Northeast Conference. And I, I think they got a guard. They have a guard named Jaleel Jenkins who doesn't get talked about enough nationally. Uh, for Providence, David Duke's a stud. It's a pleasure to cover him. Um, when he's on, he's he's an NBA type of player. And then they've got a center named Nate Watson who kind of turns the clock back with the way that he can post you up inside. So, yeah, I would I would go with uh, with Providence FDU. Best game of the night, as we're talking, is no doubt Kansas and Texas Tech. In Lubbock, Texas Tech has not gotten a, a really great result yet. They lost to Houston. Haven't really played anybody elsewhere. On Kansas' side, they beat Creighton last week. They fought against Gonzaga. That Gonzaga team is head and shoulders above everybody. I think this year, I, just, I think they could lose to Iowa this weekend, but I, I'd be shocked if Gonzaga weren't in the Final Four. Love the matchup between Kansas and Texas Tech. When you're thinking about Kansas, you've got Ochai Agbaji. You've got uh, Jalen Wilson, who's a beast of a freshman. On, other, on the other side for Texas Tech, they have guard play. They have Kyler Edwards. They have Terry Shannon. They have Matt McClung. They can break you down with their guard. So I really like the matchup between the Red Raiders 
and the Jayhawks. I think it's going to be a high-caliber showdown in Lubbock. Chris Beard is one of the best coaching stars in college basketball. Do you have any more questions? Uh, the only thing I would say, John, it's been a pleasure coming on, you know, and doing this with you. I mean, just to take your time out, you know, it's just you're a great guy, and you know, I'll be I'll be watching your games and listening to them this year. Uh, Trevor, I love hearing that. Thank you for saying that. I would love to come on the NBN podcast anytime. Uh, Browns Giants Sunday night is going to be fun. I expect to get tweets. I expect to be interacting with Giants Nation here. So let's get to it Sunday night. Let's get after it. And uh, guys, let's talk deeper into the college hoop season uh, and, and into baseball. It sounds like we have to have a Shane Bieber versus Garrett Cole debate. I oh, I'm right. No, no, no. It's not Garrett Cole. It's Shake Up the Grump. There it is. I, 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 I am a rare, this is rare, a Yankee fan telling you that Jacob DeGrom is better than Garrett Cole. I, I, I like to consider myself an unbiased baseball fan too, John. But I think that, that is, this is an argument for another day, and i definitely love to have it with you as we get closer to baseball. I love it. I love it. And I think DeGrom is amazing. Um, maybe I should have said best pitcher in the American League. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I can't believe a Yankee fan who's also – Unbiased? Is there such a thing? <laughs> Hard to come by, Sean. But you know, we 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 cover New York sports here, so you got to cover the Mets the same as you do the Yankees. I love it. I love it, <laughs> John. Thanks, thanks for coming on, and we'll be back after this break. We're back from break, and Trevor, John is. I, I there's no words to explain him. He's awesome. I can't believe that a guy as talented as John, as popular as John, would would take. 30 plus minutes out of his day and come on a very, very, very small podcast and talk with two teenagers. That is a great personality. That is, it, it's, it, 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 it takes words out of my mouth. I, I, I'm so, so thankful and grateful that he's able to come on. I also can't believe that he thinks Shane Bieber is the best pitcher in baseball. He's an all-class guy. I mean, you know, legend like him to take time out of his day. I mean, you, you know, I hope you have him back one day. Um, he's a great guy. I mean, you know, what can you say? He's an all-class guy. I mean, to take his time out of his busy day. And, I mean, you know, he's, he's done a great job as a Browns fan, Cleveland Indians beat reporter. He's just very versatile all around in a lot of sports. Definitely. And just to be clear, if you're interested in hearing more of John's stuff, he does Fox Sports College Hoops. You'll hear him on FS1 all the time. Um, Big East specifically, he's really into the Big East and just – just, just a great guy. We'd love to have him back on one day, maybe as we get closer to baseball season. But that's all we got. I'm Joe Morales. That's Trevor Markowski. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Morales underscore. This has been the MDM Podcast.